0: Blurred Up, Blurred Up, welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Nobody. For now, I will be joined by CEO of Blurred.com, Big Boss. What? Terrell Fields to discuss the Eternals. First, I want to share my thoughts on Dune really quick. I wanted to do this with Draper, at least, as we were hyping it for a long time but he has some personal things going on that I'm really excited for him about, but that kept him away from this review. Much love to him. He was so hyped for this movie, but I was dreading watching it. A seemingly boring setting, a white lead, white savior film, and this director, Denis Villanueva, I liked Arrival okay, but I did not like Blade Runner 2049, and it put my really cute date at the time to sleep. I don't think she saw me again after that, and I blame Dennis.
1: Oh, damn you! God
0: damn you all to hell! (laughs) But I gotta say, I like Dune. Uh Now, I did say that I would read the book before the movie so that I would have a better reference point. But I figured a lot of listeners would also come from the perspective of not reading it. And it would be better to judge this movie based on a more universally shared opinion compared with Draper. But of course, here we are. Also, I read about two pages and my mind started screaming. No, me bored. Bored! Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's a dense book spanning thousands of years. And I just wasn't in the right place for it at the time. Now that I have seen the film, though, I will make efforts to read it before the second film drops. Luckily, while the movie is long, it doesn't get bogged down in the details, keeps things moving, and I was never really lost. Even though I haven't seen the show, the movie feels like Game of Thrones in space with a little Star Wars in it. In fact, I read that George Lucas was influenced by this book when he created the galaxy far, far away. The story as it stands right now, because it is only part one, is fairly simple. Warring houses are competing for the control of a planet that has the most important resource in the universe. Now, I have seen criticisms of the movie talking about white colonization and white saviors, but from what I understand, and I wish Draper was here to back me up, there's more to it, and we'll see how that unfolds in two years when part two is released, with the focus presumably being much more on the native people of color. And the film doesn't glorify white colonization either, so that is an important detail to mention. With that said, the characters were less wooden and stoic than I had anticipated. The lead, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamain, I don't know, (laughs) plays a humble heir who is torn between two worlds, his royal duty and the mystical inheritance from his mother, played by Rebecca Ferguson. I have heard complaints that he's a little mopey, but I never got that vibe. I thought he was fine. He was never whiny like Luke Skywalker when we first meet him. I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Oscar Isaac plays his father and he was one of my favorite characters. He was regal but he had a compassionate heart not only for his family but his workers and the natives of Arrakis where he was to govern. He was a more benevolent colonizer. <laughs> some of the supporting characters were cool specifically Jason Momoa being Aquabro in the sand but he was serious when he needed to be and I like the mentor big brother relationship he had with paul josh brolin with the short time he was given had an uncle combat trainer role with paul that certainly helped him out later on and i liked what he did in the film my only critique was the villains they were seemingly evil just because also without spoiling anything the main motivation behind why the emperor above the houses made his choices was lost on me maybe the book explains that maybe the sequel will it didn't matter in the long run though Whatever your thoughts are about this director, you cannot take away the fact that he can craft a universe like no other. 2049 bored me to death, but it was so meticulous that it was undeniable. From the shots, sets, costumes, even culture of the people, Dune is no different. The sound design was incredible and it will surely win awards. The universe of Dune felt like a real place at all times. Besides the sandworms and spaceships, it was hard to know where the practical effects stopped and the CGI began. While I did see this in theaters, I kept kicking myself during the film for not seeing it in IMAX. Now that Eternals has released, IMAX is probably impossible, but if you can see it in theater at least, I recommend it. Well, that's it. TLDR, everything was solid, not amazing. From the characters, to the dialogue, to the action, to the story. What puts it above average into good was the amazing cinematography that begs for the IMAX experience. That being said, unless I have an amazing home theater experience, there's little that compels me to rewatch this movie. Now, it's time to get into a longer review discussion of the hotly debated Eternals. watched unguided we have helped them progress all right and we're back with this part of the show thanks. the eternals review and i am joined by big boss himself ceo of blur.com terrell fields What's hey thanks on, for having me <laughs> it's because of this man and the team that i'm still here and that i'm reaching so many people out there so just another thank you
1: no it's been it's been a fun ride the past couple of years it's kind of wild that you know it's
0: even been that long so it's definitely been fun yeah and you wrote an article was it last was it last month how to stop being a side character yeah i life. think it
1: was two maybe three weeks ago i was inspired by um <laughs> my time down at uh DreamCon. we were uh it was mm-hmm. me and uh breezy we were over in, like, the VIP area and trying to, like, snap some pictures, and uh, they were doing, like, a and a and this one guy stands up, and he's trying to ask a question, and uh, he's ignored for somebody else that also stands up at the same time, and then he kind of, like, turns around, and like, I'm tired of being treated like a side character, and that just, like, stuck in my head for weeks, like, just hearing somebody say that, and I was just like, man, that's significant. I was like, I should uh, turn that
0: into some piece of content. Yeah, it's really great. It He talks about real-life issues from fashion to exercise to just setting goals and then he you just pose that with actual like anime references it's not just anime right it's anime and a little bit of
1: everything like anime games a little bit of comics a little bit of this and not it's mostly like trying to level yourself up from just kind of like more of a nerdy perspective right like you look at all these properties you um, aspire to be like all these characters that you love and like actually taking pieces of that and applying it to yourself and, and trying to get yourself to be better. It's kind of the overall theme of it. Totally.
0: I think a lot of a lot of guys try to, you know, get brawlick, you know, in the gym, but there is so many other things we can, t- can take away from these characters. So I thought that was really really great. Great Thank piece. You. Check it out at blur.com. All right. Before we get to this uh Eternals review, I have a random Let's question for you. Um do you have a wooden front door? Uh
1: yeah, actually. Okay.
0: <laughs> I've seen so many movies and TV shows where people easily kick in doors in the US or zombies break in doors that it's almost comical at this point. I'll tell y'all right now, once I get into my South Korean apartment, unless you have a battering ram or a blowtorch, y'all well, ain't get in here. Because most of the doors I have seen are metal. My tiny apartment is it has a metal door. And I, I wonder if it's a cultural thing because the threat of North Korea is so close to home. I find it fascinating that in a country with so many guns, the U S seems to cling to <laughs> doors or like glass in the back of the house. <laughs> like remember in the last of us, that opening where the neighbor just crashes through the glass patio door. Uh, the last of us was a
1: great series.
0: So good. <laughs> anyway, I, I randomly thought of that uh, yesterday. I just went to ask you,
1: you know, uh, what? uh, Never thought about it from like that perspective, but yeah. You think we would have metal? (laughs) You think we have like like, titanium doors? Yeah, y'all have like no defense. But you know, (laughs) capitalism. Let's make the door as cheap as possible, right?
0: If I move back to America, I'm having all metal everything. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Let's get to this movie. Allow me to set the stage, folks. After the Infinity Saga an 11-year epic that spanned space and time, introduced and reimagined iconic characters to billions, as well as changed how studios create and sustain shared franchises, where do you go from there? I'm not talking about something in the near future like the conclusion of Phase 4. I mean something that could span another 10-plus years. While there have been clear indications of expanding into the multiverse with WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Spider-Man No Way Home, it was hard for me to understand Eternals' place in all this. Now, long-time listeners know I don't watch trailers. I try to stay away from media rollouts. However, given the multi-billion dollar PR engine that is Disney, it's nearly impossible to completely escape having any prior knowledge going in. There are two main points that I saw regularly boosted. Number one, this movie's ensemble was the most diverse ever in an MCU film. And number two, the director, Chloe Zhao, the first Asian female director of an MCU film, was a film auteur who was chosen to add fresh perspective, deeper character exploration, and perhaps gravitas to the typical MCU formula. Side note, did you know that Chloe Zhao used stills from Dennis Villeneuve films to sell her vision of Eternals, the director of Dune?
1: um new to me man <laughs> like uh i'm really bad and i'm trying to get better about this <laughs> but looking up like directors producers like anybody who cr- actually creates movies i've always been really bad about actually like paying attention to that stuff i've always been one of those people like i'm gonna go watch it i'm gonna enjoy it and then i'm gonna leave and <laughs> on to the next thing right
0: that's all good everyone has has their interest their role to play you're the businessman big boss Anyway, we've seen it for a decade now, social media rollouts about the first of this and that, representation. We've also observed that some of those rollouts focus on representation itself instead of the actual substance of the person or pop cultural product created by that person. Frustratingly, far-right criticism tends to overshadow legitimate criticism of these cultural events and distracts from, in my view, more important conversations. That extreme polarization can put some members of the minority communities being represented into an understandably overly defensive posture, which can make nuanced conversation unnecessarily difficult. So where does Marvel's Eternals fit into that phenomenon, folks? Well, I don't have to tell you. Reviews are polarized, again. Best movie or worst movie? Deeply emotional or bland? Groundbreaking or lackluster? Interestingly, at the time of this writing, it's currently the first MCU film to be certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes with a 48%, a lower score than previous punching bags Thor 2 and Incredible Hulk. Post-mortem think pieces and angry Twitter posts are already being written as we speak. Already, I've seen comments on social media saying, Hello, darkness, if you don't like this movie, then you're a racist and a homophobe. I've, I've been seeing these comments ever since... The Last Jedi, and the 2016 election, we've been here so many times. You can't have any legitimate criticism of the thing someone personally likes. They must be demonized, haters, bigots, etc. That's the only way some can rationalize their fandom, and it's it's been exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: these days, if you voice your true opinion... somebody's gonna be (laughs) somebody's gonna be mad about it somebody's gonna have something to say I will say though I felt in this movie the representation wasn't unnatural like it didn't feel forced to me throughout the entire movie it didn't feel like they were trying to just throw things in your face to make that the point of this movie
0: I have some mixed thoughts on that but let me go back really quick to the RT score even with this Rotten Tomatoes score people are doing mental gymnastics to point out how the audience score is much higher than the critic score in order to justify their opinions. But some of those same people demonized the audience and praised their critics when The Last Jedi came out. Same with Captain Marvel and Ghostbusters 2016. Was the audience right to certify X-Men Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, Venom, or the original Justice League as fresh when critics panned them? Even 2016 Suicide Squad, had a fresh score in the eyes of audiences for a time. It makes no damn sense. Compels me though. Right now, it's just under a point afresh. So I've talked about how RT's pass fail system isn't a good measurement for quality, yet people employ and abandon it at their whims. I talked before about distracting conversations and I would include RT into that. Metacritic isn't perfect, but it's more of a spectrum and I tend to check that more. The current rating for Eternals is about a 53 out of 100 for critics and a 6 out of 10 for audiences. Most importantly, where do we land on it? Let's cut the foreplay. (laughs) let's, Let's get to it.
1: I'm all about that, huh? man. Let's get to the
0: point. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm about the foreplay, no, which I, you no, know. no, no, <laughs> I mean, that was a little no. bit, you know, for your first time, I didn't want to hear all that, but okay, fine. <laughs> first of all, this is, in most places, visually one of the most impressive Marvel films to date. I never considered that any of the MCU films looked bad, necessarily, but some of the shots, and if you've seen the trailers, you would know. It just makes the cinematography in other films look a little pedestrian. Specifically, the introduction to the heroes and much of the story in the past look very sharp and affirm the epic scope of the film. And I think most of the powers were showcased in cool ways as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, having great cinematography can definitely just completely change the feel of, of a film and just make it feel that much more epic. And, you know, this is this is the Eternals. This is it's supposed to feel epic, right? Like, when I think of great cinematography, I think of, I mean, my default is Star Wars. Like, when I was a kid, like, the cinematography in Star Wars made you feel like you were, like, truly in a different world, right? And then even most recently, you got mm. Dune. I mean, cinematography and that was, re- re- I mean, you know, similarities, obviously, but... Uh, totally. That was one thing, especially uh, towards the ending, the cinematography was really cool. Even uh, the one part that really stood out in my mind, we're doing spoilers already, right? before i drop this one we're gonna do okay, spoilers i'll save that, I'll, I'll save later, that. that was, i was about to drop the spoiler on <laughs>
0: there's some great shots in third act too, for sure now you'll notice i said impressive in most places there is a glaring dip in the middle during the biggest action scene where it was shot at night the scene went on for so long i actually started to drift off while Zack snyder intentionally chose a dark aesthetic in the mcu my instinct for Eternals tells me the darkness was there to hide the undercooked effects and design of the antagonists, which are the deviants. Even with the final confrontation, they made sure to go into a dark cave. The budget for this film was $200 And most of the time, I could see that budget go to good use. The sets and the costumes were gorgeous. But with those creatures, from the writing to the actual design, I noticed shortcomings.
1: That was one thing that stood out to me kind of immediately was the costumes. Just felt a little like even from the jump I was like, mm, not loving the co-. like at this point, like if this was ten years ago and it came out with those costumes, fine. But at this point, like you could have did it a little bit better.
0: Really? I didn't have a problem with the costumes. I thought they were fine.
1: See, the the costumes for me felt a little bit maybe world breaking, right? Because you've got these super powerful beings that they've been around throughout history the entire time. And if they're out there in these super bright costumes, these incredible powers, you think that they wouldn't be... They weren't necessarily lost in history. Like They definitely kind of left their marks in places, but they wouldn't have been... Maybe as Lost. Like, you would have known who these people were. Like, they wouldn't have been a mystery. They would have been in the background popping out with... with that's that, That's what did it to me.
0: Okay. I dig that. I dig that. Just really quick. I do want to go to the Deviants. Did you like them? Because I thought they were they were pretty generic. The Deviants did
1: feel generic to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, that was another piece of it. I was like, not... Just, just not as cool as they could have been. And I don't... I don't know exactly what they could have done differently, but something, Mm. yeah, something was missing with the deviants. Something was just like a little, I don't know. They didn't have as much of a flair to them, and they weren't as scary as they were supposed to be. Like, these are, they're supposed to be out here, like destroying it. I don't know. I had no fear of the deviants the entire time I'm watching this thing. When they first
0: appeared, they reminded me of the Mimics in Edge of Tomorrow. Do you remember that movie? the tom cruise i love that design and their movements were so quick and terrifying um but the devious never reached those heights they also developed a critical power and evolution that was never explained yet the film had time to put in the first awkward sex scene in an mcu movie I would have like like cut that out and talk about these deviants a little more, please.
1: The sex scene was unnecessary. Like that, you could have saved some time and just like we got it, their their love interest. But like you didn't need you didn't need that scene at all.
0: Not at all. Um. Moreover, I I didn't care about the fights as much since most of them were simply against these CGI creatures. Now, of course, the Avengers does contain fights against CGI hordes, but there is better action choreography and character moments lays throughout. Oh, by the way, this is a friend of mine, free. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers.
1: You know what kind of messed me up about the fight scenes in this movie is the night before I watched Shang-Chi, which had amazing fight scenes in my opinion. So mm. to go from, like, that mm. to Eternals was, like, a big contrast because I felt the same way. Like, I'm watching all these super cool fight scenes with Shang-Chi, then I come watch Eternals, and it's kind of, like, it's just
0: kind of bland. It's, it, it didn't.
1: Other than the powers, there wasn't anything really that cool about the fight scenes.
0: Yeah. On the casting side, I think everyone did their job just fine. I think it's interesting that the far right wasn't up in arms about the casting initially because there is some gender and race bending. For example, Icarus is blonde in the comics. I'm joking. I mean, he is blonde, but that's that's not important. Um, Makari, the speedster, is a white male in the comics. Ajak, played by Selma Hayek, is also a male in the comics. But before we dig a little deeper, I want to talk about something. And I don't know how you feel about this. One of the first castings I learned about was Angelina Jolie and then Jimmy Chan there's that Ezra Miller lookalike, and then there's Richard Marston. You, you look out at the poster and you see all these traditionally considered gorgeous people, and then Paper Boy, Paper Boy, I'm all the stuff paper. I'm like, they <laughs> 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 need to bring a letter back. Come on. <laughs> In the context of who and what these beings are, him and Madong Suk or Don Lee. That was kind of a head scratch to me. Like, are they are they good looking? Like, yes, I guess. But next to jimma Chan and Angelina Jolie, though, come on, son, come on. Two out of the three, technically three out of the four men of color are fat slash a little schlubby. See, I didn't necessarily mind that because
1: of the powers of the characters too you know like if you're the person who's inventing technology you're not probably going to be the most jacked one right and if you're super strong let's let's look at like powerlifters powerlifters have a lot more body fat than like bodybuilders for aesthetics so Gilgamesh coming out and being bigger fits fits kind of his character so like that made sense to me so that i was okay with.
0: i would counter that with kingo who's played by kumal i think
1: it was like nanjiani
0: yeah the man is jack too but all he does is just shoot beams out his fingers
1: (laughs) (laughs) well the counter that the counter your counter though his role in the movie he goes out and he becomes a movie star so fits the character right like because otherwise there's no reason for it you know
0: but but he was jack before he showed up though before before that happened well
1: Maybe that's part of his personality. Maybe he's just narcissistic, which he does show in the movie. And if you're a narcissist, you're gonna be fit, right? <laughs> so I- that's sure. It's a, I, I maybe guess. it's a stretch? Maybe it's a stretch. I mean, he's he's the use case of the group, right? <laughs> just like, just like- <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> sure, or Khorbar. <core> <laughs> anyway, let's get let's get back. So, despite the ensemble, Jiminchan uh, as Sir, she's more or less defaulted to the leading position. And in an interview with Vogue, I was reading, Chloe Zhao said, it has always been a passion for me to create a nuanced female superhero that is rarely seen in this genre. Jimma Chan brought a beautiful sense of gentleness, compassion, and vulnerability to Cersei that I believe will invite viewers to rethink what it means to be heroic. And Jimmy Chan herself said, Cersei's not your typical superhero. She's not necessarily the best fighter, She doesn't have the most obviously impressive powers. The main thing is she's an empath. She has a connection with humans and with the world and the earth. That is her strength. So I lent into that. And I can see that. The closest comparison I can think of in the MCU is Captain America. But despite his rousing speeches and empathy in therapy groups. The world is in our hands. It's left to us guys. And we gotta do something with it. Otherwise, Thanos should have killed all of us. He still ends up punching his way out of every fight. And this is markedly different from how Cersei handled herself in the film. While that was refreshing, though, there weren't enough character or hero moments for me to make me love the character as opposed to simply liking the character. (laughs) That's how I feel
1: about kind of all of the characters. Like there is what 10 main characters like you don't have enough time yep. to really connect with any of them that much cuz they you're kind of jumping from character to character to character the whole time so you don't you just don't even have time to really build that connection with them regardless of how cool you might think one specific one is i mean they did a they did a decent job with the pacing though and and keeping track of all the characters it wasn't It wasn't too overbearing because it could have gotten really out of hand really quick where, you know, you're just so confused as to who all these people are. You don't even know what's going on at all, right? Like that could have easily happened. Mm -hmm. So maybe they did a good job with the editing. I I don't know.
0: I would say they did the best with what they had. But I agree with you. There were too many. I think I said it in the criticism of the Justice League, but it took four years for Marvel to get six or so characters on their bases for the Grand Slam that was Avengers. They even established Loki beforehand. Guardian stretched to five new heroes at once. With the Eternals, as you said, that number doubles to 10 with the genesis of the MCU itself in a narrative that stretches across 7,000 years. <laughs> Just hear yeah, that out loud. Hey, it's it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Even, even Dune, with its dense lore that stretches back thousands of years, didn't make that mistake. So unfortunately, as you said, because of that, some people are gonna have less screen time, diluted storylines, and for me, when I was supposed to feel something during some emotional scenes, there just weren't enough character moments or interactions for me to care that much. The crux of the film was, are humans worth saving? We were told, instead of shown why these characters cared so much, we were actually shown more about why humans were not worth saving One part really pissed me off. I think you can probably guess which part that was, but we'll talk about that in the spoiler section. Even with the romantic plot line with Cersei and Icarus, I felt like I was being told about their love more than shown why they were in love, as well as why it was important to the story. The movie never reveals why these beings even have emotions. They're essentially robots. There was a line so on the nose with uh, Icarus. He was like, you are so beautiful. It was... It felt like watching middle schoolers talk to each other in real life, like not actually written by Hollywood writers. I think um, Steve Rogers and Peggy or T'Challa and Nakia's dialogue were much more engaging. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and protect ourselves at the same time. If you are not so stubborn, you would make a great queen. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. Ah, if that's stable. what I wanted. Mm,
1: and then, well, I, I guess think about it this way, they're also not humans, so maybe does that factor into it? Even though that they've been with humanity for so long, they've theoretically developed their humanity, they weren't just humans, so maybe it should be
0: a little bit more robotic? But again, maybe I'm stretching a little bit here. I think if they cut down the cast, and I'm going to get to who I think they could have cut out, I think if they cut down the cast and focused on because I really don't understand the rules of this world I don't understand how like how they were designed what like what was already in them before they got there if that makes sense
1: my thing with this movie is it you had too many characters and you tried to do too much story too fast all at once this felt like it should have been multiple movies or a series like for me some of the more interesting parts of the movie were, When they were in the past, like exploring them in the past and how they affected how things happened in present day, would have been a lot more interesting. Almost like to go to like DC, like how Wonder Woman, how some of that universe, you Mm. know, how she's changing things true um, in the future based on what she did in the past. Like that to me would have been more interesting, especially since they're not supposed to really, you know. Not too much effect was going on with humanity. Like the little things they did, they just try not to get into spoilers, and, but you know, the little things that they did that did cause these big events to happen. And there's one big, big one that you know, <laughs> your boy Paperboy calls. <laughs> like exploring more of that stuff could have been a much more interesting first movie, but it feels like they were trying to get through this to get to the next parts of you know the universe that they're trying
0: to get to totally it, this, this movie does in the end feel like just just a it setup is. movie
1: it feels like a bridge yeah
0: at least three eternals could have been cut for the sake of story i think sprite the child ezra uh look like druid the telepath could have been cut makari the speedster even though i liked her character like again don't get me wrong i i like them all but were they oh, no. really needed no, needed you can't no makari you
1: can't you can't everyone loves makari you can't cut Gemma. you can't cut
0: angelina you can't cut Salma, you can't cut Laura. <laughs> come on <laughs> you can't cut them <laughs> here's the thing either write her to do more because they because after a point they literally just threw her away for a while and i think honestly really there were very few people who even really talked to her in that film she really didn't have much to do i liked her i wish there was more that she could do but given what the movie was if you cut her out it wouldn't have really affected too many things that's that's my point i think honestly maybe even kingo could go but the only reason why i would keep him is because he's the co- oh he's no the that's horse. what that's secondary
1: that because
0: of, of the yeah.
1: the comedic aspect that he breaks
0: i just wish his powers were more distinct like he just shot out beams like icarus already had that on lock the power right? is
1: lame let's, let's just keep the powers lame yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody out there is gonna hate us for saying that but it's it, was tro- lame. It's, it was lame it's the power
0: it's also a little funny that that actor was posting his big ass arms on instagram and then it was only for like kind of one shot but that was one of my favorite scenes it was it yeah so there's that too on the subject of comedy how many times are y'all people or the media gonna gas us up on this there's never been a marvel film like this before Yet they all eventually succumb to that directive to force these jokes between the drama and have a green screen CGI battle at the end. I I don't know how you feel. I personally feel like this year hasn't been great for joke timing in these movies. It's more of a mixed bag where I feel like when I watched Infinity War, for example, like every joke hit. when I watched, you know, the first, you know, I mean, really, most of the movies, they always hit. I feel like this year it's been... A mixed bag this movie is the most self-serious mcu film to date but the way the jokes were inserted into this film did not feel organic to me what do you think
1: well see i mean you wanted to cut kingo and that's the only one that i found funny at all in the entire in the entire yeah. movie
0: they put it all on him and and pastos to a, a lesser extent his joke in the trailer when a uh, boy hit his table that was funny i I didn't see the trailer so that was a shock to me that was funny
1: i didn't love that joke
0: (laughs) (laughs) "Eh, oh for real okay (laughs) it's all good i still think winter soldier is the gold standard for a serious drama with uh levity laced throughout i think black widow started out well that way but but y'all know how i felt about that after the first act um i think my last point While a few films have tried to casually explain why certain Avengers are gone during certain films, solo films, during this third act, I was scratching my head like, ain't no way any Avenger ain't going to see what's happening and not show up.
1: (laughs) That was one of my biggest things. When I walked out of the theater, I was just like, so none of them are... None of them are... They don't exist. No, they don't exist. Like,
0: what? Are you, what? Are, what's going on? We're kind of back to phase one, phase phase two action now. Um, I don't have much else to say, non-spoiler wise. I think Dune's characters. I think Dune in this movie is a good comparison, but I think Dune's characters were largely on the same level as Eternals. But I think Dune had a better focus, and the cinematography was more impressive to me. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there were so many scenes where where I kicked myself for not making the extra effort to see it in IMAX. And I didn't really get that from this movie. And where Dune's cliffhanger left me wanting more, I just felt, uh, what's that that young justice word, whelmed by the Eternals' conclusion. The Stingers didn't move me much either, in part because they are deep in the comic lore, and most casual viewers like myself are just going to have to Google everything. Right. I
1: guess last non-spoiler thought, I did enjoy the casting overall. I thought that was well done. I enjoyed... I enjoyed the introduction of the characters and the fact that they were able to do it in a way that wasn't overly confusing. Like you were able to to pick up who was who, the way that they displayed the powers was very visual. So you didn't have to sit there and mm. and, and remember, even if you couldn't remember somebody's name, you could remember what their power was. Like you had a basic, basic framework of who was who. You even kind of had a basic framework from a power perspective. You're like, this is the leader. This is the most powerful character. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the spoilers too, though. Until one of the characters you wanted to cut. <laughs> and that's why I like them being in the movie. Um, but overall, like I, I thought it was a well done film. I'd probably give it, I'd probably give it like a, let's say 6.8 out of 10. Like it wasn't, it wasn't think, amazing, but it was good. It was entertaining.
0: Sure. Yeah, I I give about a 5 or 6 out of 10. It I don't think Marvel can ever make a truly bad movie. Like, I actually just rewatched Thor 2 yesterday just because of the controversy. And do I think Eternals is better than Thor 2? Mhm. I think Thor 2 has more redeeming qualities than I think people give it credit for. There was a lot more Loki than I remembered. I remember the walk with him and uh, he kept changing into different characters. Like when he actually changed into Steve Rogers, that was funny. Perhaps you prefer one of your new companions given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Ooh. The costume's a bit much. So tight. With the confidence, I can feel the righteousness surging. Hey, wanna have a rousing discussion about truth? honor? Adrian, God bless him. when thor's mom actually died we're talking about emotional scenes i actually felt more emotion for those characters especially like loki was talking all this big shit and then you, you find out that he actually was pretty sad about it mm, um, you just made me think about criticism I, of this movie too we'll get there very soon yeah so eternals is near the bottom of the mcu list for me will i say it's worse than thor 2 i don't that's just too much analysis that i, I don't really want to give energy it. to but it's it's pretty low for me I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but 2021 MCU films feel like 2013. Remember when Hot Off, The Avengers in 2012, Iron Man 3, and Thor 2 just kind of felt subpar right, right, a year right. later? Like Hot Off, Endgame, Marvel's run this year has been a mixed bag. Just like I recognize redeeming qualities in the Affirmation 2013 movies, I have listed positives in all of these films this year. However, there were some glaring issues for me that hindered me from Connecting with the films as much as I had enjoyed previously.
1: oh so I'm gonna hit you with a question. I know you've been asking me all the questions, but you maybe just you maybe just please. think of it. It's What's like up? this year, overall movies, like even outside of the MCU, not, not that many movies this year have really done it for me
0: this year. Like, mm. are there
1: any where you're like, this was great?
0: Uh, I like Dune. It's a part one of a part two. But I went into Dune kind of wincing, like, uh, and I came out like, that's, that, was, that was good. There's another 2013 film I want to talk about, and that's DC's Man of Steel. When I first saw that movie, I was mixed on it. But BVS made it better. Although I don't know if it was because I thought it was a slightly worse film. But I'm interested in seeing whether Marvel, with all of the mythology and characters established in Eternals, can make this movie look better in a sequel and address criticisms that it is receiving. The year after Thor 2, we got some of the most transformative entries in the MCU, the Winter Soldier and the underdog hit Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of just split the MCU in just two different really interesting directions. And here's hoping that this year's stumble is a stepping stone to greater things in the near future and redeem what we got. And to be fair, Spider-Man could bring it home in December. I just hope that it won't buckle under the weight Of its ambition apparently it is one of the longest mcu films to date i think it's only under endgame that's wild i'm just worried that as marvel expands and tries to be different it may start bursting at the seams i'm a little worried like are we seeing signs of a bubble burst like the western or the zombie genre right
1: it's been a long run like it's been it It, yeah we've gotten so many superhero movies the past decade even and like me and you love this stuff so even for for people like us to even start feeling that even a little bit it's kind of like ooh, what does the everyday person think of all
0: of this you know it isn't just you know martin scorsese right it's people are talking to me now like i don't i don't watch more movies or i stop watching after this or after in game i stopped watching after this i stopped watching so i don't know well we shall see now yeah okay we're ready for spoilers let me count down real quick. If you have not seen it, turn it off now. Come back to us later if you want to hang around. It's all good. Three, two, one. All right. Let's start here. You can't cut Makari
1: because that was the character where they were just kind of in the background. They're kind of a joke character. Um, you're just kind of like, what's what's the point of them? And then at the end of the movie, she showed you that she was one of the most powerful Like. The way that she went in on Icarus in the fight scene was so was dope, dope. To the point of, you know, now there's YouTube videos of uh, Macare versus Flash. Who's more powerful? And obviously it's Flash. Like, fanboys, whatever, come after me. for that. Flash is... Come on. The speed force. Easily. But, Easily. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Phone, like, stop. no need for those videos. But... I mean, the fact that they're even having those types of debates, it's it's an interesting conversation, right? It's like, how powerful is this character, actually? Um, whereas in the movie, really really the whole, probably like first 80%, kind of, kind of like you were saying, you could have cut this character and they didn't really, wouldn't have really mattered too much.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing with a lot of speedsters in these movies, right? Like, even in the X-Men movies, they would kind of bring in Quicksilver to like do yep. a little thing. But because he's so powerful, they just kind of pack him up and like, all right, see ya. And <laughs> it's like, he could have solved, he, he could solve the third act in like five seconds. One you know of my
1: favorite superhero scenes ever. Like that was just so cool. Like when you saw that
0: theater, yeah. when it came out, it was such a cool scene. Mhm. But they, they literally said, hey, go back to your mom. Goodbye. Anyway, um, I want to get to some cool things. I've been kind of ragging on this movie, but DC exists in the MCU. That's pretty neat. Like they're, they're talking about Batman and Superman in this movie. I thought that was cool. Um, y'all gonna blame a brother for Hiroshima? <laughs> that, that was one of the spoilers I almost dropped in the first
1: half. I was pissed. And i that's what I thought you were gonna be pissed about. And that's pissed. where I was going with the... So these bright-colored, super-powerful, basically, gods exist in this world. And... I mean, even... <laughs> Let's even say, let's even say, from like two thousand to t- to two thousand to present day, right? Nobody posted all this information about them on the internet. Like nothing's there. Like, mm. and is these people wouldn't be like too shocked or anything because the Avengers exist in this world, so there there would be information about them. Like, like there's no way that Dane is with Cersei and would just have no conception of who they are like that there's, there's these little things where i'm like i understand like the that the eternals are supposed to be like in the background in that scene but like then why are you wearing these bright color suits why are you just like popping off randomly like sometimes you want to pop off sometimes you don't sometimes you interfere sometimes you don't like <laughs> Paperboy calls hiroshima <laughs> but nobody knows who you. it's like come on <laughs>
0: I think also you think about it. There are just too many shadow organizations in this in this universe for someone not to pick that up. You got sword, shield, Hydra, the right. Ten Rings, the Red right. Room. I mean, how many are they going to stack? I mean, when, when Blade Blake comes out, I'm sure they're going to talk about the whole network of vampire hunters. That's what I'm saying. Like Cersei's talking about how addictive her cell phone is. I'm like, nobody got a, a video
1: of you doing all these things that you're. Do- you're just in the club doing these things. The classroom like if you're a teacher in a classroom to these kids they're going to have cell phones and they're gonna if there's this earthquake they're gonna be recording what's happening like there's so many little moments where it's like it's like the lore of the eternals mixed with our actual present-day technology just don't overlap and it just don't it just doesn't make Mm. sense
0: Mm. they try to ground it when they want to and then they, they just kind of throw away the, the right. logic later on and i got some some logic issues a little bit later on in this broader talk but back to hiroshima i think by, <laughs> by the way too if anyone thinks i have a problem with uh sexuality i absolutely don't i think my i only hang up was that he was so done with involving himself with humans that instead of us seeing his character arc we were simply told that he changed because of his husband and his child And I know that's a lot of ground to cover to see like how he changed, but that's why you don't cram this many characters in one movie. It it lessens the impact. The whole thing about how humans are worth saving, they showed more scenes of massacres in the past and the bomb going off than showing humans doing good to inspire these Eternals to actually give a shit. Um, And on that note, it's like, you know, Simon Hayek was like, these humans can dream and love. And I'm like, you've been in existence for millions of years are you telling me that no other planet of people could dream or love i was like this is you're telling me a lot of stuff i'm not feeling this. Too. like it's this thing where humanity
1: is supposedly so special but at the same time you're they're literally just like basically a battery right for a <laughs> celestial it's kind of like uh that was uh i think there's a rick and morty episode where they were joking. I can't remember if it was humans or like some aliens where so like the purpose is just to be a battery for something else. And that's basically what the humans are in this world to the celestial. It's just getting enough energy for them to be born and, you know, boom, everybody dies. So you're simultaneously that important but then you're just you're just a battery, man.
0: Yeah, I agree. Oh, the other thing, okay. So, this whole thing is they they can't go all out and help the humans like develop their technology or whatever because it won't it won't compel them to breed faster or something something like that. I live in a country with one of the lowest birth rates in the world. It isn't because everything is fine. I mean, we have Squid Game and BTS, but it ain't like things are great here. It's because people find it increasingly difficult to take care of themselves and a family at the same time. How many millennials listening to this show would probably have a family at this point if you weren't saddled with the struggles of the day? The logic for why the Eternals didn't do more to help Earth was just inefficient and goofy to me. Well,
1: I've only cursory read through some of the comics in the past, and I actually watched one of um, Ernie, so Blur Without Fear, one of his videos. I watched it earlier today. And part of the Celestial's whole deal is there's supposed to be this you know external force the horde and humanity are supposed to basically evolve to be like antibodies to fight off the horde which is basically where like superpower humans come from the avengers if they would have taken more of that path in the story i think i would have bought it a little bit more like that would have been maybe cooler like You basically got the horde just gonna make the celestial sick. You gotta get these super strong humans that are the antibodies to fight them. Like that could have been cooler, I think, if they would have framed it more of that way. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel that. Um, Given the threat of the big deviant, I don't and and how it could heal itself, I don't understand how it was killed so easily by Athena. Mm, Yeah, that was one part.
1: I mean. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it looked it cool don't be wrong here's the thing here's, it look cool. that's the thing a lot of this shit looks cool but then when i walk out of the theater i start walking home i'm like er? too many times
1: well yeah weird. like they're they're fighting they're fighting that super strong deviant the whole time and he's just not taking damage just just shaking it off just shaking it off and then this this one can turtles just strong enough like she just has this rage moment basically and is able to slice them up and finish yeah. them all by herself
0: i mean you know maybe maybe i can buy it i can buy it it's a nitpick but you know usually with these movies they kind of establish like rules behind them like what they can and can't do and all they established was this thing cannot die it heals itself so you know if faso said you know maybe in his little like 20 stark moment oh these deviants if you attack the head or if you separate this or whatever you can do it, it like just a simple line could have been like okay cool but it was just kind of just again we were just told it wasn't like uh you know anyway uh let's get to that i deck okay i'll say uh, even uh, with
1: that though like so it basically absorbed ajax power and is able to heal and all the eternals can die so it's not unbelievable for the deviant to die there too like it wouldn't necessarily have absorbed uh, ajax power and became had stronger
0: healing power than she had. So mm. counterpoint, they they can die technically, but in the comic books, they are really, 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 really hard to kill. Um, I was reading on Wikipedia something like like they can always reassemble their molecules as long as they have like mental concentration right, the or something. Like can
1: revival too, so like yeah. there's not that yeah. much concern about death theoretically to though
0: they they were only killed because that they got absorbed but um the deviant I don't really know the I don't I didn't understand the rules behind it so it was just it was just done like its ability to like absorb powers though I don't know where that came from it was just done so that, that's kind of a I think a, a weakness of the film um i want to go back to the the third act so the eternal stopped the complete birth of the celestial but that huge ass thing just penetrated <laughs> the earth's surface from the inner core <laughs> and it's huge is the planet not <laughs> irrevocably damaged?
1: <laughs> like, I don't know the science behind that, but I thought the same thing. I'm like, if something came out of the core of the Earth, like,
0: the Earth's not going to just be fine, right? Like, that's not how it works, right? No. <laughs> no. That was weird. That was so weird. To me. And again, it ain't. you're going gonna to tell me no Avengers going to be like, oh, they got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just like, well, there'd be wouldn't there at least be
1: some kind of radiation? Like wouldn't the, the ocean waves like
0: flood the planet like wouldn't some something will happen, right? Well the well the outer core, let I mean, put on, on my internet. <laughs> actually, the, the outer core controls our magnetic field, protecting us from cosmic harm, solar radiation. So this thing's big ass legs are just e- imaginably just hanging out down there. Like what is this really doing to the earth? um let's get to the stingers i know you've been waiting for that i went to the movie with a few of my white ladies from my job and they lost their shit over the man i learned to be harry styles i know who, who this man was until they told me now i know folks were like oh i knew it brennan be hanging out with these, these white women like nah there was a mexican american <laughs> lady there and in a black lady with <laughs> us too uh, the black woman, she left as soon as the credits rolled because she disliked this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn her opinion like the very next day. She was out. Um, were you lost with, with these stingers? I wouldn't say so. You know, I watched videos online before I went, so like I
1: had some reference point for a lot of this. I wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. lost, but if I was a casual viewer, like I would be like, w- what? What? <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know what's going on.
0: It's Harry Styles. That,
1: that's what I would have been like. Yeah, like oh, cool, Harry yeah. Styles.
0: <laughs> now I'm sure people have already heard the news about the end credit stinger with Dan Whitman as Black Knight. I don't know this character very well at all. But do you know who that voice was who talked to him before he touched? So, Blade? It
1: wasn't I, I think I googled that. Supposedly that's Blade, right? Yep. Which exactly. Exactly. Which would make sense for it to be a Bridge movie. They want to get the Blade. Let's let's take it back to Blade. 'Cause we know everybody loves Blade. Right? And yeah. and that's yeah. exciting. I'm with it. And the Black Knight character is pretty cool. Like the lore behind it's pretty dope. Is it? Like basically the ebony blades, this indestructible weapon. He I think of I think of this character to bring it to maybe some of the y- younger audience, like uh he almost it's almost like Asta from Black Clover, where it, the character doesn't really have any powers. But the blade is super powerful and it's like almost like anti-magic mm. and can deflect things and basically like the angrier the character gets the more power the blade has and as long as you're holding it you can't die like it, it's cool but like the character itself think of them as a almost like a batman where there's no actual power super smart but they got this okay. tool right speaking of tools
0: i i forgot to mention this why do these tools of genocide these robots even have sex organs <laughs> for, for the sex scene. <laughs> Even vision don't have any sex organs. The pr-
1: the procreation of the Eternals doesn't really make sense to me. Like like <laughs> for them to be more
0: connected with the humans, they wanted to make them as close as possible. I don't I don't know, man. This this okay. Now this last part, some of y'all ain't gonna be happy about this. Y'all gonna be mad at me for this. I'm sorry, but I I gotta share my piece. It's my show. <sighs> Diversity and representation are important to me. I know, I'm canceled already. Uh, It's important to me, but so is context. The Eternals were designed and created to shepherd the survival and overall prosperity of life across the cosmos. If you were all-powerful, predating the Big Bang and the Infinity Stones, and you could create any kind of being to help you do all this stuff, one that would at many points have to communicate with the natives of any planet, Why would you intentionally make one deaf? That puts them at a distinct disadvantage. Sure, you know, give them a do-rag and gold teeth-like vision. But deaf? Why would you intentionally make one a child who could never mature and be bitter about that forever? (laughs) Even the kid Sprite asks in the movie, why was she made this way? Was that question ever answered? No. For diversity's sake, it looks cool, but from a utility standpoint, some of those things didn't make sense to me. Do I wanna see diversity in hero casting? Absolutely. If this were new Avengers characters or X-Men characters, that would make sense to me. Do I think deaf or juvenile humanoid robots created by God make sense in the Eternals though? In an article I read, apparently because of Makari's speed, it hurt her eardrums and that she can no longer use them. But as it stands in this universe where Quicksilver's hearing is fine, and Icarus can fly as fast as she can run. That's that's canon. It just doesn't add up to me why she got singled out. Like, I already got into a small debate online about it, and I was labeled an ableist. But in a way, one could argue that it's misogyny art saying that this black woman's body's too weak to take what the aforementioned white men can. I just thought it was weird. It was just diversity for the sake of it. It's the Aquafina problem. Do I want more Asian women in the Avengers? Of course. But don't crowbar her in after the woman takes a few hours of archery class. Marvel has done such a good job of writing all of these heroes. But now I feel like Marvel's becoming a little lazier about their inclusion. And I think that's something to mention. What do you think about that? Am I canceled?
1: Well, I don't think you're canceled. But I guess in in my logic, if I'm to create this
0: group of
1: beings to cultivate the Earth there's all different types of people all over the world so theoretically all of my eternals need to look different to even if it's just to to not freak out whatever group of people they're interacting with and that's that's another thing where maybe a little bit world-breaking like say i'm an eternal i'm a 6'5 black man and i show up in <laughs> sweden and like the 1800s nobody's gonna write anything about me like nobody's gonna be like wait like <laughs> what who who is this man that just like appeared that looks this much different than us right
0: when they first showed up all of them i mean was it mesopotamia yeah. so they're in mesopotamia really the
1: cradle anymore? of life even well i can understand the history of being lost there because at that point their technology is not advanced enough to really like record right right, it that right, well. right right but like as time progresses you know we get more and more events which is their job to events, though
0: nobody writes this down in a book casper joking about uh online about how pastos just ignored slavery it's like man i didn't didn't think about that Hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. oh speaking of the character so who stole the the show in your opinion like if you were to pick your number one character
0: uh i i really don't have one i think as far as powers go i like cersei's powers they're really neat to transmute matter into whatever she wanted i think that's really cool but her character was you know there was enough for me to really grab on to i mean she's hot <laughs> but aside from that i don't really have much else to grab onto. icarus eh? kingo he was kind of told to be funny but i didn't really just given like gilgamesh had just died and then it's like D- did you get that on tape yes sir i'm like dude why are we doing this here your homie just died there was so many things like that i'm kind of like i like him but it wasn't like these jokes were timed well enough for me to really be in love with them. They're they're honestly all of them are equal to me. I would say Makari if she had more time, she would probably be my favorite. Cause even though she didn't talk and she just had silently, was like the way that she emoted with her face in Walking Dead. She has this confidence that I really enjoyed. And I mean Angelina Jolie again. It's weird that God designed Alzheimer's and his robots, but you know like whenever she was on screen, I liked her. But yeah, they're they're kind of and kango was you?
1: my favorite. And while okay. I found the power extremely lame, the uh scene where they're doing the Bagra dancing. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was I was shocked. That was, was entertaining, like, oh, wow. that made me laugh. That was the most enjoyable part of the movie to me because it was completely unexpected and it just brought like For so sure. much levity to it. And then sure. even the joke about Gilgamesh though. So like they don't really die like the machine can revive him so i guess would you if you knew your homie could just be brought back to life if they got in a terrible accident and died and then boom you know next week they're going to pop back up is it going to have the same feeling as if it's the end End. you know that's one of those things where they're they're not humans right so maybe it, it's not quite the same
0: i think it's because they got absorbed right it wasn't it wasn't just, just like a shot it was like they were like their essence was absorbed from their bodies so maybe that's why
1: see i thought the machine still stored a lot of their kind of like a failover with with servers right like server a went down now
0: server b kicks online and you can just bring them back but you could be right i have no idea i, I guess maybe maybe they did it this way just to make it make, make, it, feel, make, the make it
1: feel final right Which, again, maybe in movie two, they could explore and make it make sense, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. I literally have to go to work in like 30 minutes. So let me end it here. I want to start ending the show on gratitude. I think because in the past I've been so entrenched in being a critic and then going online and being assaulted by so much negativity, I forgot to do that enough. So for the foreseeable future, I, I do want to end the show on this kind of stuff. And I encourage everyone out there to just do the same more often in your regular life. Gratitude. I'm grateful to to still do this. I took a month off because I really needed that mental health break. But I'm, you know, whenever I watch these films and I started thinking about it and start laughing and joking with you, my, you know, my partners, my friends, I have a good time. And I'm grateful that I can still do that. There have been a number of podcasts who've started before me after me and i've seen them on social media saying that they've just stopped and i'm glad that i'm i'm still here i'm i'm happy to still be a part of the community connecting with people around the world and if all goes well i'll be collaborating on an anniversary i'm really excited about on next week's show
1: i guess it's my turn to talk about gratitude so yeah for me and it it even kind of goes into this whole blurred thing that you know we've been doing for a couple years it's really i'm really grateful for the entire team like it's it's been this thing where you know i would have never met you or you know anybody else on the team it's just really cool to have you know been on this adventure at least in this part of my life and you know get to go all these places and meet all these people like it's just been kind of wild at the end of the day it's just like like wow like this was just literally a thought of an idea that might happen and then we, yeah, it was, yeah, all, it was a all a dream, you know? and then, you know, well, you know, we got a website, we're making content, we're going to conventions, we're making, you know, creating ideas for merch, we're getting tattoos, just like all these things <laughs> just like happening, <laughs> just based on this little spark. Yeah. So I'm like super grateful, uh, to everybody, a part of the Blurred team that just, you know, believed from the beginning and have been on this like journey with me along the way. For sure. Alright, well, where
0: can the people find you? Um,
1: you can find me on Blurred.com uh, Email is Terrell at Blurred.com Link is literally on the About Us section of the website. Uh, we're on Instagram at Blurred Official um, I mean, you can find us on Blurred up apparently too now. I can't believe this is the first time <laughs> like uh, I've been on the show, like I've been talking to you for years I was like, I need to do a show at some point yeah, so yeah. even that was cool um yeah those are the easiest ways to get in contact with me I'm really bad about checking my personal social media so if you send I'm an email person like if it's not in my email inbox or on my calendar god I'm so scattered sometimes it just doesn't exist
0: you're a busy man man. of course you know where to find us we're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-R-U-P we're on Twitter even though I really don't use it anymore B-L-E-R-D-U and on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P Terrell thank you for For talking about this movie with me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. No
0: doubt. All right, y'all. Peace.